Okay. And we'll clap in three, two, one. Ash didn't clap again. Just freeloading off of Maggie's emotional clap labor. I don't have to. She doesn't. But, like, she could. Like, you could support my clapping. Give her a break. The news reported she died today. <laughs> I just died, okay? <laughs> she couldn't handle I, I the, the rattle. Still... I just drove my car into a building. <laughs> I just still think you could, like, carry some of the workload. Just, you know, every other episode. I mean, why do you really think this podcast is ending? It's because I've had to do all of the clapping myself for the past four years. just died in a car tonight. (laughs) She couldn't handle rattling home. (laughs) And I like it. I'm just picturing like, sorry. Isn't that a U2 album too? And (laughs) That's what I was listening to when I drove my car off a fucking cliff and into the Hudson. Was it the rattling of your car or were you somehow stuck listening to U2's rattle and hum? (laughs) You'll never know. That's the first line in like the Dateline episode of my life. That 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 was the beginning of just them being really annoying and just being like, "Oh, Elvis was the savior of rock and roll." <laughs> and oh, Paul Simon, what Bob Marley, Graceland. the warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Simon, what? he went to Graceland. I'm gonna head there too. <laughs> you saw the Bajillion Records doing that. I bet I bet I could do the same thing. I don't know why I'm talking like Ringo now. <laughs> Paul or Ringo or George. Liverpool. Listen, Liverpool and and Ireland are very similar accents. They, there's a lot of uh, there. There's a trading port at Liverpool that had a lot Ooh, of Irish. Oh no, it's me, the edge. <laughs> you want me to turn the pedals on this time? <laughs> if you were really doing a Bono impression, you'd just be like, Anya, that's ground that you're trying to recycle, but you're doing it all wrong. You have to look at the numbers on the bottom. And then Anya's just like. Shut the fuck up. Why the fuck do I live next to you, Bono? I'm going to get another straining order. Because that's our canon. Yeah. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> where we just do very bad impressions of your favorite artists. Are they our favorite? Some no, not ours. I oh, said yours. <laughs> and I don't know who you are, but maybe we just offended you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> you two's favorite somewhere. <laughs> Someone loves you too. Or Somewhere else they in America, someone <laughs> loves you too. <laughs> anyway, yes. So weekly podcast, sweet treats of all your your good stuff about music. Yeah, we're your hosts, I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley, and we have special guests, obviously, who we normally hang out and talk shit about music with, yeah. as we've been currently doing for the past five minutes. But this time, we're not, because we got our friends from Jukebox Zeros. Pew pew pew. I'm Lils from Jukebox Zeros. This is the first time you're hearing my voice. <laughs> this is Patrick, also from the Jukebox Zeros program, along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, everybody. If you were in the E Street Band, what instrument would you play? Hmm. <laughs> Question. Me? If you Pop were in the quiz. E Street Band, what instrument are you going to play? 
I'm I'm sorry. I didn't expect to be thrown on the spot with such hard hitting questions. This is easy. I I'm 100% Roy Baton. Jumping right on that. Play them piano. I was gonna say like, but it's about the instrument, not the person. But the piano, yeah. I get it. I get it. I would be. I, play, the... I, I actually play piano, so it makes the most sense. I can't fucking play saxophone as much as I would love to be. Clarence All right, good because I'm dibsing saxophone. That's me. All right. Not I mean, if, sax. if we're going by what we know, I would have to be drums because I'm pretty sure they don't have uh, electronic beats. Person. <laughs> they do they're, now. They're gonna be yeah, Max, right? Why not uh, both? Max not Weinberg. Both? Is it, is it my turn? Yeah. What I can't you, play anything. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. Take yourself to a world where you... So you're the lead singer. Duh. So you're Bruce Springsteen. Bruce yeah. Springsteen plays guitar, though. He doesn't have to. But is Bruce Springsteen part of the E Street band? No, no. But I mean, we're no. your E Street band. He also plays harmonica, and literally anyone can play harmonica. <laughs> I don't know. I tried. It's hard. I can't. <laughs> Just, like, get, just, get a harmo- just get a harmonica in the right key, and you can literally just go. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. All right. That's no, what they're built. Now. That's that's what they're built for. Wait, is that what John Pop is doing? Just fucking, <laughs> fucking come at me, harmonica players. This this is the no, episode no. I get Popper's myself canceled. Popper, that. where are you at? All right, John Popper. But this is our this is our public uh, announcement yeah. for you. So I guess if I were in the E Street Band, I'd be John Popper. <laughs> Wait a minute. I love it. All right, that this works. is good. I let You're let's roll with this. Johnny and the Ashbury Dukes. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about the E Street Band. <laughs> we aren't. I don't know. I just I just wanted to know. It was, it was a burning thing. question. It was a burning question for me. So yes, no, it's uh, our last end times friend times episode. Indeed. Mm. Who better to bring on than our friends Pat and Lils to talk about a nice tender topic, which is something albums that made us. Something a little different for all of us because we all like to talk about really bad music. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're just gonna like jerk off our favorite music for like the next hour and a half. Yeah. And it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a good time. Well, and I thought it'd be really good to have Lil's and Pat on because they're actual musicians, so they can have like real things to in say. Theory. Oh, more <laughs> substantive stuff than we can talk about. Besides, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh I mean, there's nothing wrong with just liking music. There that's isn't. What th- that's what it's there for. True. Yeah, you don't all have to be insane. I mean, I guess not. We were just proven wrong by the whole fucking hit piece thing. <laughs> yeah, music is food is picture of a monkey. I don't know. I still don't understand sure. how any of that works. Yeah. Music is food is the monkey. <laughs> it's art, fucking but monkey. it's also music. But it's also a picture of a monkey with sunglasses smoking a cigarette. Oh, we're talking about NFTs. Yes. Okay. I don't the fungibles. Anyway, no, no NFTs. As much as I'm really trying to grasp how the fuck you can make an NFT into a song, we're not gonna do that. We uh I said like we decided let's uh let's all pick. We're gonna pick two albums each. We're gonna talk about in ways that they inspired us or influenced us or just how they really mean a lot to us as people. And we're gonna have fun, damn it! And we're gonna have fun, damn it! No matter how or hard I'm my dog is. Or I'm turning the car around. <laughs> Will's is driving, and punk. she will turn this car around. I've seen her do it. Oh my you god! I'll drive it time. right into a building if I have to. That's why you're not driving. 
If you don't have a good time, it's going to be a bad time, let me tell you. <laughs> That's the only oh. other time you can have. <laughs> so it all comes down to your choice. Do you want to have a good time or, or the other one? <laughs> And that's how Robert Plant wrote Good Time, Bad Time by the Zeppelin. <laughs> when they're I know so much about music. <laughs> See, it's, it, we have a wealth of knowledge on this show right now. So much. Um, I, I, we, don't, we haven't been doing our beers lately, but I will say I am drinking Grimm's Double Negative, which is, is a positive. Which a positive, which means I don't want to have a bad time. Sure. Right? That works. It's a positive. I don't want to have a bad time. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a double negative kind of time tonight. Wait, but I'm also drinking one called pineapple pants. Yeah, and that means and that's a good time. We're go- that's a good time. Pineapple pants, good time. Gonna have a pineapple pants of a good time. Oh shit. Mm. Anybody else? I, um I haven't been drinking on podcasts like I used to, but I specifically cracked a beer open for this Ooh. one. Um, the, the only, pretty much the only beer I had in the fridge, uh, Nightlight from Night Shift, which Ooh. to be fair, which to be fair is a pretty damn good light beer to have if you, if that's what you're going for. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, that's like one of the best light beers you can get. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just uh, stoned and eating <laughs> shepherd's pie. <laughs> Honestly, that's better than a beer. I think you're in the best position out of all of us. <laughs> I do have, Guys, I do have uh, some pie. water. Uh, oh, hydrogen uh, dioxide? No, <laughs> dihydrogen oxide. There we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That uh, is how H two O works. Yeah, it's, it's been leaking into our rivers and streams. The, the chemical dihydrogen. Oxide. Somebody needs to stop that. Yeah, it's in all our food. It's it, what? it's rivers and streams need to be pure sludge. I demand yeah. more GMOs in my water. More pink slime. More asbestos. <laughs> Yeah. I got problems. What can I say? (laughs) What happens when you get older, kids? Also, when you get older, you want to tell everybody about the music that moved you and how they don't make songs like this anymore. They don't make compact discs like they used to. They don't. (laughs) Nobody knows how to be Bapaloo, but she's my honey no more. (laughs) 12 page diatribe by Robert Chris (laughs) Gagrish. Why can't they all be edgy like that one song from Bob Seger that called out tango music? Wait, what? Old time rock and roll. Oh, has that line that's all about, I don't want tango. (laughs) I don't want He was like fucking 33 when he wrote that song. He he just sounds like like a crotchety old man. I don't want any of this. Get off my lawn. I don't want to tango either, but I'm not going to make a big deal about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. Let's get to the the, the meat of the soup Come on, Bob Seger. Enjoy this passage of time. No. (laughs) I I want Tom Cruise in his underwear to dance to my song. (laughs) That's what I want. No tango, no foxtrot, Tom Cruise in his skivvies. Yeah, let's watch him strut. That's what we all want, right? This got real weird, Mr. Seeger. It's for risky business. No, I know, but Bob Seeger's freaking me out now. Yeah, he's gross. Maybe. Tom Cruise is gross. Well, he's dead now. Wait, Bob Seeger's dead? Oh, no, it's Bob Saget. Never mind. (laughs) 
Well, that's a good time to start. <laughs> this is a good time to start the Sorry. music. Sorry. No, no, it was beautiful. It was great. the best thing ever. It was a perfect segue. I love it. This is a perfect segue, like we're known for at Rock Candy Podcast. Anyway, I just shouldn't be allowed to speak anymore. It's fine. I mean, we kind of need you to. <laughs> All right. <fine. laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of integral to podcasting. Yeah, it is a an audio medium. It is. It is. So is music. So is music. Yes. Thank you. I heard Lils. that. Yeah. Lils is the adult in the room who keeps us on track. <laughs> Not an NFT. It's it's a it's a thing. <laughs> we moved on from NFTs. <laughs> so we're doing Rob. I'm Robin. an adult. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing round robin style. And we're gonna have uh, our guests go first. So first we'll have Lils, then we'll have Pat, and then I believe myself, and then Ashley. Yep. And yeah, uh, yeah it's gonna be eight tunes. So. Stay tuned while we tell you all about our favorite albums, and we're each going to play a song from them, and uh, yeah. Anyway, shut up. I'm going to shut the fuck up. Lils, tell us about your first album. <laughs> right. So, like you said, we uh, were tasked with picking two albums apiece, and anyone who knows me and all of my music obsessions should probably assume like, oh, Lils is going to pick that they might be giants or sparks or ghost or something like that. <laughs> but like, I think the thing that I sort of took away from the you know homework assignments <laughs> of sorts is that it was supposed to be like formative albums that really just sort of made their mark on themselves. And I didn't really get into those three artists until like much later in life. Uh, this album that I'm going to introduce now, I remember being the first album that I remember liking of my own volition. Cause like I pretty much got all my music taste from my parents, but after this one was introduced to me, like as I developed my own sort of taste, this one still was just like very near and dear to my heart. So I pretty much consider it like the first album I loved. And that's uh, fear of music by talking heads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what, what was the track that like really, that you really feel like kind of epitomizes it for you? Um, I don't know if it epitomizes it, but it's just my favorite track on here. I think I picked Air. You did. And you know what? It doesn't have to epitomize it. I'm using words wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, so good. That is a good tune. So, so good. Great, great lyrics and stuff from like David Byrne and like like all over this album, just some really stellar bass guitar lines from uh, Tina Weymouth, who's mm -hmm. just fucking the tops. Yeah, super this, underrated uh, bassist. Yeah, this, this uh, very early new wave, post-punk, and like it says here on Wikipedia, psychedelic funk, which I guess, sure. 
And sure. yeah, yeah, this this pretty much has like this record pretty much has everything that like I tend to value most in like really weird off the wall eccentric songwriting with all the songs about like, you know, paranoia and alienation and stuff like that. I tend to gravitate towards those sort of topics than, you know, typical love songs. And like, as I understand it, because like almost every single track on here is uh, like almost all of them are one word tracks. As I understand it, the naming conceit was that like the term like the term music and fear of music could be replaced with any of the track titles. So you could have like fear of paper, fear of air, fear of heaven. I just think that's pretty neat. That's really cool. I actually did not know that. It's like a choose your own adventure mm. album. How if I'm afraid of all of them? <laughs> yeah. Like everyone tends to point to remain in light as like the talking heads, like biggest sort of achievement, which it's a really good album on its own, but I just really love fear of music a lot more. Yeah. I I've heard uh, more people lately kind of coming out in, in favor of fear of music and it's, it's funny, but because like the first four albums, uh, I know albums one and two and, and Remain in Light, like all seem to get like, you know, perfect scores. And then like Fear of Music gets like a ding less for some reason. But I'm kind of right there with you where that one is a, you know, it builds upon like what they're doing on the on the first two records. But like there's this kind of weird, darker, edgier aspect to it. And uh, almost like Kraftwerkian, like sort of uh minimalist like like with the song titles and stuff like that and, and just mm. like the like really esoteric and, and like detached nature of like the narrator of the songs and stuff yeah, yeah that, that's that, that's a like, great record the nice thing about this record and like probably a bunch of other talking heads records too is that like you can go back to it over and over again and still pick out like all kinds of new sort of auditory stuff that you missed with like however many listens because it's a brian eno produced record and he likes to add the little bleepity bloops. Yeah. Or as, many... I, or, or as we refer to him on our podcast, old sourpuss Brian Eno. <laughs> Seriously. Because <laughs> he did what, like three albums with the Talking Heads? Uh, yeah, he did, he did more songs about buildings and food and remain in light. And then they just, then they just cut him loose because I assume they were sick of uh, being near him. Well... <laughs> As, so as did... most people tend to be. Seriously, you can only do about three albums with as, Brian Eno. Because, like, as I've read, it seems like his whole production, you know, modus operandi is to, you know, add his little bleepity bloops and crazy, you know, sounds and stuff, and then just make terrible decisions that he thinks are great. <laughs> no, this is really and good, guys. <laughs> and then complain when no one, like, adds them. Why does this song have to have snares on it? All the songs have <laughs> snare drums. Why don't we put cymbals in instead? <sighs> sure, Brian, we'll get right on it. No, you won't. Oh my God. He's even Everybody just... listens to me. <laughs> Brian, we've listened to you for four albums. Can we try something else? We'd yeah, like to I'm have guessing. one billboard hit for once. I need to pay off. I need to pay off my car. Ugh, it's always about you. <laughs> well, it is kind of my band, Brian. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and Byrne did an album together as well. Uh, my Life in the Bush with Ghosts, I think it's called. I think uh, you're right. My Life in the same Bush. time. Yeah, that is a that is a awesome fucking mm. that, that is a wacky album. That, that's a really fucking fun one. 
So I, I always hate it because I really like the talking heads and I learned a lot about them when we did the episode on them. Mm-hmm. But like, it's always going to be hard for me to listen to talking heads because that episode came out at a really shitty time for us. But also that was why Jen oh, B. Buggin lost Jen her shit on us. Jen B. Buggin. Oh, this one chick gave us a Facebook review that was like, she they say? don't they don't do their research they don't know anything and like how and, dare they have the audacity to think they can speak upon like and she was just mad because i questioned i was like do people because it, it has been brought we up we were holding them to current standards and we we're like did they culturally appropriate which we did decide we no decided they did they not, did not we, but she apparently didn't get that far <laughs> was she got like, mad because i dared question david byrne she's basically pissed that i didn't suck his dick throughout the whole episode like yeah. look david byrne is a genius but I also think he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not. Yeah, not I think wrong. that, just, that just is corroborated what by we know many... about. Yeah, knowing what we know about David Byrne now. Yeah. And yeah. just from people working with him, because a lot of people have worked with him and said, he's a genius, but he's a pain in the ass. Right. Like, like love and, his music. And love it. We're not like, you know, insulting him or anything. We're just... Repeating what other people have said factually. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, to be fair, none of the talking heads really are perfect, sweet, innocent people, except yeah. may, except maybe Jerry Harrison, but he also produced a bunch of live records. So yeah. I agree. I, I feel like Fear of Music has definitely gotten more of its due recently, especially when I was doing all the research for it. And and I was re- reading, Jesus, I was listening through all the albums. And yeah, that's definitely a... An up there album. I mean, I do really like Remain in Light, though. Mm. Is Remain I'm, in Light not, the one where their faces are all crossed out on the? Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I don't, that's definitely not like a bad album. I no, just don't no. love it to the same degree that I love Fear of Music. Yeah, which is totally valid. You know, mm. I like that you're like, mm, that's good. However, if you listen to Fear and Music, <laughs> so. All right, let's we'll scoot along to uh, Mr. Pat. What is what's your what's your album you're bringing to the table here? Oh boy! So I I, I apologize uh, in advance. It's a Steely Dan <laughs> album, uh, but no, th- uh, this is a group that I've kind of been. It's on you. I'm with. into that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like I don't know Steely Dan songs, but I think I do. You do. You definitely <laughs> we do. do. But we just uh, never know that they're Steely Dan. Uh, so. I, I was kind of introduced to that group as a kid. My mom had uh, one of their like greatest hits on cassettes uh, and, and like it was kind of buried in my memories for a long time. And then uh, I decided to kind of get back into them when I got a bit older. And uh, yeah, uh, the album that I'm picking is Steely Dan's Asia from 1977. And uh that was one that we also had kicking around the house too, uh, that I that I remember hearing a lot. Asia, not Aja, <laughs> like I not thought. Aja. It was. I always no. thought it was Aja. <laughs> Aja. <laughs> like I think my parents had that too when I was a kid. Like my dad had it on cassette. I was like Aja. <laughs> every like, every dad had it. It's a dad album. Yeah. It, it is. Oh. It, it's like a you know textbook dad rock rock album uh, and it's one that my, my my dad also says they're they're his favorite band from from the 70s so that's uh right there existential proof right there a father <laughs> saying that steely dan is his favorite band dad band other, other than walter white from breaking bad of course <laughs> oh 
Steely Dan. He likes Steely Dan? Who, us? No, Walter White. Oh, Walter White? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I actually don't remember that from Breaking Bad. Was that was that an actual thing from Breaking Bad, or is it Pat was, just, it was him Pat like, just being a silly boy? No, it's him like having like a playful argument with Walt Jr. about music or something like that, and he's like, I, "I'm just saying, Steely Dan is technically the greatest band of all time." <laughs> oh my and god! It's like, feed me breakfast. I fucking want breakfast because that's all the dude wanted. Yeah, it's a breakfast every Eggs single time. Eggs and bacon. Eggs and bacon. Pancakes. Pancakes. What if that turned out to be like the actual entirety of the show? <laughs> Just everyone kept hearing all these things about like how it's such a dark and stark show with like all these dramatic turns. And then it's just then it's just Brian Cranston just being like, actually, that song Kid Charlemagne was (laughs) (laughs) for like seven seasons. There should have been at least one Steely Dan reference per season. (laughs) I'm mad now. That song is not on Asia, though. No, it's not. No, uh, so like Asia is kind of a funny album uh, or, or they're kind of a funny band in general. Uh, they I, I guess like the best genre you would use to categorize them would be jazz rock, uh, which sounds awful because uh, because I think in most cases like Cause, other because what the hell does that mean? It doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's such a, you know, fucking throwaway term, but like it's literally the best way you can describe it because like their influences are directly either from rock or jazz uh and you know it's clearly like a fusion amalgamization of each uh so it was kind of an interesting thing to hear growing up because uh my dad was also a jazz fan you know we'd hear john coltrane and miles davis all the time growing up and uh you know also like just classic rock just like every other boomer does uh you know so you know beatles zeppelin shit like that uh was always kind of CSNY, uh, yes, you know, would all be kind of playing around the house. So uh, it was kind of like interesting. This kind of fit like in between that. Uh, so it's like I could make a lot of sonic connections to like very disparate genres. And it was, I don't know, it was, very, it was kind of interesting. I think it kind of uh, is responsible for my insane obsession with music and, and audio production in general. <laughs> Are Steely Dan really well known for like, really high like uh audio production i don't know a lot about steely dan yes so that's like kind of uh kind of a thing they're known for uh gary katz is the guy who produced uh most of their records uh, i think all of them in the 70s but that was one of their their big obsessions uh so steely dan is essentially two guys uh walter becker and donald fagan and uh it, yeah, it's basically just the two of them. Neither of them are named one. Dan. <laughs> None of them are named Dan. No, Steely Dan is, is a reference to a dildo uh, from what? a William H. Burroughs novel. Yeah. What? Yeah. Get it? Like a steel. They are far more edgy than no. I thought they were. All right. Hold up, Steely Dan. Let's mm, talk. They're, they're not. <laughs> don't don't like, listen to Wills. They definitely they were like, are. They, they were like, oh, badass. we named ourselves after a dildo. We need to pump the brakes. We need to really Steely need to slow Dad down. is totally metal. <laughs> I mean, it's steely. It's metal. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we? You want to yeah, listen yeah. to a clip? So yeah. you also so they, picked they had a, a band the for, album. Yeah, they had a band for the first couple albums, and then and then they fired them, and then they just were working solely with. Oh, they pulled musicians. a Billy Joel. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's not they, nice. 
not nice at all. Not but, nice like, at all. So, at so this a lot of their focus was, you know, kind of became on mixing the album themselves uh, oh. and with Gary Katz because uh, they also stopped touring. So like they literally would spend an entire year, you know, cutting an album and mixing and just like hours and hours. And, and it was like kind of the stuff of legends, like the wow, like insane care and, and just like this is in just, the like, 70s, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of, still kind of unheard of in the 70s to take a whole fucking year to work on one album and dedicate yourself that much to it because yeah, they should have been shitting out an album three times a year. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. But so Asia, I'm trying really hard not to say Asia. <laughs> At this point, had they had they dropped the band and it was just the two dudes? Yes. This is their uh, on, uh, one, two... Sixth oh album, I think. So many uh, fingers coming up. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I I, I want to say it's their sixth album. Please don't cancel me if 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 it's like actually their seventh or fifth. Uh, but it's around there, uh, seventy seven. So yeah, they they were a few albums deep working with solely uh, session dudes. So <clears throat> yeah, uh, that that is there's that's no different on this album. They're working. If you go to the personnel list, it's it's fucking insane. There's like a different drummer on each of the seven songs and like you know one guy doing one bass part another guy doing another bass part and then of course all the horn players and they got different horn players for different songs all the horns different guitar player you so know, to horny come of, a, to of a record so such horny. a horny record such a horny it's very record. horny <laughs> uh, one thing well, about donald fagan the dude is horny <laughs> i mean it is named after a dildo after all Absolutely. Uh, well, in that case, let's. Uh, you you brought you did bring a song to the table, so why don't we listen to a touch of that? Yeah, to get a feel. Uh, I'm actually going with the title track on this record, which is uh, we're not gonna listen to all eight minutes of it, of course. What I had it all yeah. queued up for all eight minutes. What are you talking about? <laughs> How is this uh, eight minutes? It is like the longest song in their catalog, but it's sort of like their their prog rock epic, I guess, or the closest that they get to that. Uh, and I, I honestly, I couldn't pick a section of that song because there's a lot of shit that goes on. Uh, so they left it to me. So I kind of left it to Maggie, and I, we're I just hope see I what did happens. you justice. Let's see. Let's see what happens. I really want to grab like a real crushable IPA and sit on a yacht in a sunny oh, yeah. day with sit this in the front of, oh, a, so front front of, of a yacht, boat. right yeah. in the front of a boat. Maybe I'll settle for a pontoon and just listen to this all I day. Mean, that's one. probably where the term yacht rock came from. I, I get it. it. This that, song that made me get feeling. yacht rock. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, I was in uh, Fort Myers, Florida a couple weeks back visiting a, uh, is Gina's grandmother 
And uh, I decided to throw this song on while I was like driving down uh, Tamiani Highway and like all the palm trees and the sun was setting and fucking yeah, it was, it was like driving through a vapor wave, vapor wave. You could <laughs> yeah, like that. you were totally vibing, man. I was totally aesthetic. Very. You, t- you tied very... your you tied your yellow sweater around your waist. You pulled out your aviator sunglasses. Yep. And you're like, ah, Jeff. There's a nice, like, slightly orangish, like, filter to your entire life now. Oh, yeah. Get some nice, sweet, light colored bell bottom jeans. That so. Fades yeah, right uh, into Glenn Fry's You Belong to the City. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that, that, that was the chorus of that song. Uh, th- this is, uh, kind of a interesting song because uh the the lyrics really aren't that great uh in my opinion <laughs> and i they're which fine. is not no no they're good and i uh, they're they're definitely they paint a picture uh i think other songs of theirs have like more uh intriguing and and uh like well-written kind of stuff going on but uh this one is clearly about like a high-class hooker or something like that <laughs> that's like what i'm gathering from it yeah, From they, the they, name they alone, sang about, I, I, I get that vibe. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. They, I thought she was They sing girlfriend. a lot about, like, uh, they sing a lot about, like, 70s excess, uh, you know, a lot of cocaine use and, and heroin use and, and drug use in general. <laughs> and, like, you know, I just. They just weren't interesting. Of... What? This all sounds like fantastic 70s fodder. Here. Yeah, now I kind of want to do an episode on Steely yeah. Dan. I'm telling you, they're badass. They're, they're fucking badass. <laughs> they're coming back. They're, they're the, the kids are getting into them again. They're, they're I'm telling you, I, I've been I've been on this shit for years. Uh, no, but you've if, just um, been screaming into the abyss like I told you. Steely if, Dan. if all these if all these revelations like weren't enough, Steely Dan are like a humongous fodder for like sampling in so many hip hop songs. Like on this album, like uh, the first track, Black Cow in particular. It has that famous clarinet part that made up the majority of the song Deja Vu Uptown Baby by Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Yes, exactly. My that, favorite that nice artist. Right there. I don't know who they you, are. you probably know the song. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not going to try to imitate it because why? <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't, Lils. That's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, but that, if it wasn't for the like Bronx, the this 90s. rap probably never would be coming from. So tell me where you're from. What? That's all you got. See, that's that's, really that's why I shouldn't that try really to know. That's so good. I'm proud of you. East side baby, west side baby, <laughs> uptown baby, we get down baby. I'm oh. not gonna lie, that is ringing a bell for me. Uh, it it'll totally come like back late, to you once you uh, check late it out. Nineties, like ninety eight or something like that. There's so much You'd music. That, yeah, Steely. There's Steely Dan samples and stuff by like MF Doom, De La Soul, Shit. uh. Ice Cube, just a shit ton of stuff. Uh, Kanye, Kanye samples Kid Charlemagne. Of course, oh, yeah. Kanye does. Kanye yeah. samples everything. Uh, huh. Yeah, so that's uh, that's Asia, and actually, you cut it right before it kind of goes into the the big band section. There, there's a uh, instrumental section that happens for about like. Ooh. Look, four or five I didn't want us to get. We get to the last verse. I didn't too want deep us to get Asia, too yeah. horny. All right. Yeah. We don't need to go. We don't need to go that deep in the trenches yeah, just no, yet. We but, don't. Uh, Not yet. We, yeah, we, we're we didn't, didn't want to go on a journey. Not no. yet. 
but we'll we save might. that for for uh, off camera episode. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, there's a lot of great shit in this song. There's some good. There's some great solos. Uh, Steve Gadd is the guy who plays drums. He does some great uh, solo work on this. And actually, one of my favorite things is the uh, Wayne Shorter sax solo that happens. It's oh, very shit. very spooky, Ooh. dark, and mysterious, and sexy. It's 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 a pretty extraordinary recording and, and arrangement and like uh again kind of like Willis was saying about Remain in Light this is an album that uh I've probably heard 9000 times since I was I don't know like 8 years old or something like that uh I still notice little sonic things every time I throw it on like huh. whether it's you know like a little tiny like aux percussion thing like oh there's a little triangle happening in this song or like Oh, there, there's actually like an acoustic guitar under all that. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool kind of headphones album. If you're uh, nuts about things like that, it, it's one of the finest analog recordings ever made, I think. Oh. I mean, I think that's high praise. And also, it's like you got to steal your Dan from your dad. So like you were like cool with your parents music. You're like, this is good music. I'm okay <laughs> I, with I actually, this. It's, it's one of the one of the few things we really connect on and like <laughs> is uh we we definitely shared a lot a lot of the same music and i kind of got into my own thing at you know when i got into my teen years but i ended up kind of going back and these things that i used to listen to back in like the 90s i'm kind of like getting back into again like cat stevens paul simon shit like that and, and steely dan uh, my wife is a big fan too so that also kind of oh. uh, accelerated things for me i kind of did the same thing Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, because my dad had a huge record collection, so we would, me and my sister would always beg my parents to put some records on, and it was always the same ones. It was Queen, The Monkees, <laughs> and Led Zeppelin. We always wanted to hear the same shit over and over and over again, but like that record collection was how I started to like music, and that was the foundation so that's a pretty fucking great foundation. Honestly. If your parents are into really good music and Records it's kind of cool vinyl yeah. and just like throwing throwing it on on the turntable to really cool like We couldn't do that cuz like you had to put the vinyl on and then slowly back away and never <sighs> yeah. go fucking near it again because if you made the wrong move that shit skip like crazy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so like and we just wanted to hear Daydream Believer all the way through just fucking once. <laughs> and then we would leave them alone. But you can't daydream, do that if you're running around the house. Daydream, daydream, daydream. <laughs> oh, flashbacks. Oh Wake god. Up no. in a cold sweat. Oh my gosh. Well, I have to throw it out there that my choices have not been influenced by my parents. Um by any I means. I don't think mine are either. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. no. Uh, so if it's cool, I'll just use that as a good segue to move into my pick, my first, my first Shamba Jam, Mm -hmm. as I like to refer to it as. So anyone who listens to our podcast knows that I like fun, happy, upbeat music. I know that sounds strange, but I do. I I know. You are such a depressing, horrible person. I don't know why. (laughs) Just because I'm depressed doesn't mean I'm horrible. Or just because I'm depressed doesn't mean I don't want to fucking jam. Because I do. If anything, you want to jam even more. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you got to jam your way out of the jam. I'm trying. Jam your way out of the funk. Jam. Funk your way out of the jam. Ooh. <laughs> a little bit, a bit of both, maybe. Yeah. Jam and funkin'. I don't, we're going to stop this right now. We're way too late for this. 
So I, my first album that I'm picking, that I'm exposing you all to, is Rudy by J- Basement Jacks. And Basement Jacks is not a very well-known group, I feel like. Like, some people know them, some people don't. They're an electronic... I, love, I, I only know a couple of songs, but I love Basement Jacks. Thank you! I Lils! Lils! I knew I could count on you! Lils! <laughs> fucking yeah well like they're one of those acts that basically defined like or like helped define an entire subgenre of like electronic music yes. with their music 100 percent. and i feel like a lot of people don't focus on basement jacks because they're from that era where it was like um fat boy slim fat boy slim chemical Moby. brothers Ugh. chemical well chemical brothers are great they they still stand by i'm they're fine with them there were a lot of like fucking yeah like fart Prodigy. electronica groups from that time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But electronica, not, not not a whole lot of people still nostalgic for propeller heads. For pro- propeller heads, Eiffel. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Eiffel sixty five. Although, oh, although to be fair to propeller heads, they did do. Although to be fair to propeller heads, they did do a really fucking big jam with uh, Shirley Bassey on vocals. Oh. Well, that's that's different. Hold on. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Basement Jacks is an insanely influential electronica group. Um, they're from the UK. They're comprised of Felix Buxton and Simon Ratcliffe. And they began making music together like back in the early 90s and got their name from a nightclub that they were regulars at. So I thought that was cute. I'm like, oh, Basement Jacks. That is a very cute nightclub name. So good. Very good British on you names. for fucking stealing. I know, right? <laughs> it's very British. But, uh, oh, I've been. It's Rooty, isn't it? It is Rooty. And they're, they're yeah. Oh, I've Oh, join my bird. Oh, what's it called? <laughs> Iceman Jacks. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> they, they went to a football match afterwards. Too. I was like, are they going, are they at a, a footy? A, a British <laughs> footy match? I'm not going to call it, I'm not going to call it soccer because it's not All right, soccer. everybody get up. It's time to sing that one new order song that's really weird that they made. <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> they were very much influenced by house music. So, like, yeah, I'm going to get on that for fucking sure. Um, they began working together, mixing samples, and they hired vocalists to perform on all their songs. And it really resulted in this kind of music that was... elect. It really lended to the electronica pop times. Yeah, like back in the late 90s, early aughts, that's when electronica was also pop music for a little bit. And I think it's because of yeah. band, groups like Basement Jacks were making it very um, accessible. That yeah, there's the a lot of crossover appeal with with uh yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely like you know you compare this to like say you know the Prodigy or something that's just hitting you constantly in the face with all this really like intense sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's Basement Jacks over here where everything sounds like a huge party. Right, and that's. Not even too like um like shit on the prodigy because I love the prodigy. Oh, Paris the thought. I love the prodigy too. Yeah. No, I I'm know. Just say- I'm just saying they were going about it in like two different ways. Right. Cause I feel like the prodigy had a lot of um kind of happy hardcore vibes where like you said, it's just like constantly hitting you at this high BPM the entire fucking time, punching you in the face with it. Yeah. And yo, there is a time for that. There was a time and there's a place, and sometimes you need it. I need it a lot in college. It's fine. Um but like Basement Jacks is like this, um, like almost like garage drum and bass, 
you know, meets house group. And I really, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's a totally different sound that I think to people who don't understand electronica are like, it's all the same. I'm like, but it's not, it's not at all. <laughs> um, So actually, yeah, so it's, it's like when people just refer to all electronic music as techno. Oh my God. Well, I mean, yeah, this is back in the day when they called it techno <laughs> and you're like, Ugh, I know. Back in my day, we just called all electronica music techno. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, but this is their second album, Rudy. Um, their first album um, was Remedy that was released in 1999. And that actually got them noticed by like Hollywood and big co- companies like Coca-Cola. They started using their songs and new movies and commercials. And they kind of gained notoriety really quick, which is impressive, I think for that time but also is kind of indicative indicative of how much people were trying to jump on that a lot electronica train mm. and i for you, anybody who you, doesn't, you mentioned moby earlier who really just sort of like you know took the ball and ran with it with that on that level fucking do you know the other day i was driving i heard a fucking moby song on the radio because yes i still listen to the radio and um it was just this fucking uh he you know because all he does is he steals from african-american spirituals and he has like some like wafy little girl singing sometimes i feel like a motherless child and then like moby's coming on being like a moby and i'm singing about stuff and i'm saying words nissan go buy a nissan i just listened to a podcast where the host um was helping his friend who (gasps) Yes. Was the one who lent yes! him those CDs. Yeah, and Moby never said and I'm Moby sorry for stealing never your said CDs. thank you, never said I'm sorry for stealing the CDs, never said never mentioned the fact that this guy was the one who gave him these CDs and inspired him to make the album play. So oh, this man. guy these two guys Moby. went to <laughs> Moby to ask for the CDs back and Moby was kind of a dick about seriously surprise surprise he was kind of a dick um he's kind yeah. of a creep too he's a fucking total creep, creep. Yeah. yeah total creep what did we do he was fucking like creep on Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman. that's what it was yeah and he was trying didn't he say in his autobiography that's not very, that... that's not very Christian vegan of you <laughs> Danny's saying his autobiography that they dated and she was like, we did not fucking date. Yeah. Also, I was underage when I was like friends with him. Yeah, yeah she was he was like, proven. he was like in his 30s. Yeah, and he was like bragging that he was dating a 17 year old Natalie Portman. It's like, dude, like Gross. fucking get a handle on your shit. That's not a thing to brag about. Well, so to stray away from shitting on Moby, because I could do that all day. But we're not here to shit on things. So Basement Jacks is like the complete opposite where, yeah, they got a lot of like notoriety and they were used and they were fine with using their shit in movies and commercials. But I just feel like they didn't pander to that. It's just that their music was really well suited for, you know, something. If you wanted to give somebody good vibes. For party? Yeah, for party. So my favorite track off of this album, which actually it did take me a while to pick my favorite track. But I think ultimately what I really want to go with was is the song Do Your Thing.
I don't think there's a more Maggie song out there on this planet. <laughs> so sprightly. <laughs> so, so how does the song work? Is it is it a is that a sample that that's kind of like being chopped up and manipulated? Oh yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's oh, really yeah. cool. It was hard uh, for me to. It's it's sometimes it's like. Sometimes it's really hard to fucking dig up like the information. Like I was trying to figure out what samples these were, and I I couldn't find them. Yeah, um, it's but, some like '60s soul song or, or something oh, like that. Yeah, 70s. Mm. and and that that vocalist, um, they I, I did I write her name down somewhere? Because if I didn't, I'm mad at myself for it. No, of course I didn't write it down. But she, on, Wik- on Wikipedia it says the lead vocals are sung by Elliot May. Yes, I do believe she does um a fair amount of vocals for Basement Jacks. Which, so, like, that made me feel good to know, like, oh, they, like, don't just hire random people. Like, I think they genuinely mm. want the same person to mm-hmm. do the stuff. So, and unlike, you know, like, 10 years prior, they will credit the singer. Oh. Remember when they wouldn't do that in, like, Black Box and CNC Music Factory? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, they do that. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely laudable. Like, we completely forgot to... You know, men- like make mention or like it just didn't come up when we were talking about like how many different kind of sounds we're hearing. But like that track in particular, just so many flashbacks to like, you know, just the very earliest sort of conception of like house music from like the yes. 80s when it was like being done by the likes of like, you know, Arthur Russell and that sort of- and those sort of people. Oh, yeah, 100 um, percent. It shows I think it also shows like the real um, evolution of house music and how like because back in the day like sampling was just it had to be all done on like vinyl records and you're kind of like learning how to mix the turntables and now it's like you're having now they have computers like they can do the they're starting to be able to just do all the shit on a fucking computer and it, it makes it so it's simpler and you can do a bit more with it you can make it faster you can make it more interesting you can add levels to it and yeah basement jacks did an amazing job with that and mm. like clearly pays homage to the house that they were influenced by but it was so funny so when i first heard this song um or when i first heard of basement jacks in general i should say i was late high school (laughs) and i was just a big fucking nerd and i really liked these things called anime music videos (laughs) oh boy yeah baby (laughs) i was a big old weeb and I heard this other song. Hang on. Someone made an anime music video that wasn't set to a new metal song. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of those. I usually watch those ones and not and not the new metal, not the Dragon Ball Z Linkin Park ones. <laughs> I, there was a Rammstein one that I really enjoyed. Was it to Neon Genesis, Evan- Neon Genesis Evangelion? No, it was uh, Foyer Fry. And it was Ooh. Gundam Wing. Oh, yeah. Yo, I want to go look. For, sometimes I talk about these things that I want to go look up anime <laughs> music videos. The point like is the one they did for uh, Land of Confusion by. Gen- oh, no, those were puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there is a Scafloni music video to Land of Confusion, which is how I heard Land of Confusion. Oh, which for, is a for the disturbed cover, right? Per- oh, God. <laughs> get no. out. Patrick, get, get out. No, that does have an animated video, I'm pretty sure. I don't oh. think it's anime, but <laughs> I'm sure they're trying. But yeah, I, so I heard Red Alert, and I was like, this is a cool song. I'm like, Basement mm-hmm. Jacks, they're a cool band. So then flash forward like a year or two later, I'm in college, and thank you, college network sharing. Remember how you could like share between like everyone else you were in school with? No. Oh, well, we had a network <laughs> that you could all share your files, and somebody had like all of the Basement Jacks. I'm like, 
I know that band. And they were kind of the first. Your school was actively promoting pirating? That's Hell awesome. yeah. We were a liberal arts <laughs> college, baby. So was mine, but we were public. So they were like, Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, no, you ours- could, it, was, it was peer-to-peer software, right? It was uh, like SoulSeek, I think, at that point. If, if like you're around the same age as me or were you using Napster? No. Oh, the disdain of saying, were you using Napster? I think I was, I was, no, Aries was high school, right? So I was probably using Torrents at that point. Oh, see, I was oh, on like, yeah. the Audio Galaxy. That was my shit. Mm. The point is, so like, Basement Jacks was not necessarily like my introduction into electronica music, but they were definitely the first group that I saw out and felt a connection to and i knew that if i got an album by them or if i basically listened to anything i knew i was gonna like it and it mm. kind of just like made me more into electronic music which i fucking love and i'm very picky about because mm. i'm one of those i am a curmudgeon about like newer electronica i'm like eh, it doesn't have the heart and the soul that like i feel like older stuff did but Honestly, thanks to Spotify in some ways, like I find playlists made by house musicians that are like legit in some ways, thanks to Spotify, but also in other ways, like, come on, Spotify, gargle my balls. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm just, I really fucking love house music. I really fucking love Basement Jacks and they are, they're like my little grand, my, they're my little godparents for this, for like in house music. Anyway, that's nice. Why don't you talk about what music you like, Ashley? Well, I think my pick pretty much encapsulates the differences between you and I. (laughs) 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 So yours is like happy house music. Yeah. Mine is like sad, you know, mall goth music. (laughs) Sad shack music. Not, Not house. It's a shack. (laughs) <laughs> sad shack music shotgun shack <laughs> i don't know if it's shotgun shack i feel like shotgun shack would be more like country-ish yeah sure. sad basement yes basement sad music. basement bedroom music when oh, you're yeah. a teenager sad right. basement rec i'm room. moving into the basement mom <laughs> I'm and mo- dad I'm, I'm moving into the rumpus <laughs> <laughs> My rumpus room. All right. Well, this is this is off the perfect circle's first album, Rumpus Room. (laughs) Hey, mom, check out the the rumpus grumpus over here. Dad, shut up. Oh my god, I really want to buy a house with a finished basement. (laughs) Call it the rumpus rumpus grumpus. Yes, sounds like a character on like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Okay, if you're done being a rumpus grumpus, I'm making pizza rolls. Do you want some? Yeah, I want some pizza rolls. God. Fine. <laughs> yes, of course I do. Uh, it's stupid eat. question. Yo, we were the fucking worst when we were teenagers. I know. We're well, such dickbags. Speaking of Ashley as a teenager, I'm going to make you play this first before yeah. I talk about it. So, <laughs> speaking of being an angry teenager, um, I picked Mare de Noms by A Perfect Circle. Mm. Oh. Um, and the track I chose was, of course, Judith. Of course. So, play a little bit of that. Like 
There's those WAF flashbacks. <laughs> Waff. Which is which is lit which is literally where I first heard this song. Yeah. I don't remember yeah, where I first album. heard this. This is a great album. This album... for some reason I really want to purchase some Merkin wine. <laughs> uh the wine is not great, but the cider was good. Oh, the you've mead. tried it? Who is this? Right? Who? Mayors. What? Ke- James Kegel's mayonnaise. Oh, his oh, wine. We had yes, it. we did order some. So I forgot that you call him James Kegel's mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I part of the it's reason canon. why I picked this was in order to talk about James Kegel's mayonnaise one more time before we're just <laughs> off there forever. Because why not? But Any yeah, chance. we did order their uh their wine mm. and their mead. The mead was delicious. The can of wine that we did not purchase but Peter mm, gave to can. us was good. The other two bottled wines we got were not good. We we would make the canned wine was better than the bottled wine. Yes. Oh, you know what? Believe I, it or not, that's so I'm wild. Saying, I'm mixing it up now with the Dave Mustaine wines, <laughs> which we also bought. What? We were fucking Wait. garbage. We what? we did these as Patreons, so some of our patrons know. You don't we actually know, do you? We, what? You don't what? actually know, do you? Know what? <laughs> Your life. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, we don't. This is what we spend money on, and never again, never again. But like, um, the the mead was really good. The mead was quite good. Hard to fuck up. It's good. I don't know. I've never actually made it before, so I'm not the uh, authority on it. Mead. Ash would be the authority on mead. I am the authority on mead. Mead. But I'm not going to talk about it right now. But um... I am mead. <laughs> just all made out of mead but like i didn't even write any notes about this because fuck it whatever um i believe this album came out in 2000 and a lot of people mm-hmm. automatically assume that it is james kegel's mayonnaise's project and it wasn't it was actually um tools guitar tech billy howardell's project and he started this band. He showed um, Maynard his um, the music that he was working on because he was literally living in like an apartment above Maynard's garage at the time. And he was like, hey, listen to my music. And Maynard's like, I could sing to this. And he's like, all right, that's fine. So that is how A Perfect Circle was born. And hey, then... Hey, I, bo- I wrote a song. You want to <laughs> look at it? He really didn't want Maynard to be the singer. Oh, and I mean, it's like I'm gonna be the singer. Basically, that's a um, great song, Billy. We're gonna put it right here, right up on the fridge. right up on the fridge. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking sing it. I'm singing this goddamn song. Oh, all right, fine, fine. James Kegel's mayonnaise. Fine, <laughs> sing the song. Um, but the reason I picked it was because this was the album that I had on constantly when I was in high school and really ingrained into my brain that you can be you can make hard music but also make it pretty make it gothic and dark but also make it something you can sing along to so Hmm. this is one of the very few albums that I really love that I can play start to finish and not skip a song because I love every single one of them and Judith in particular I think meant a lot to me because it is the lyrics are very personal to Maynard because they it's about his mom Judith is his mother and she was a very religious person and 
he was not a religious person. So this is kind of his like, I'm not going to follow in your footsteps, mom. Oh my God. I don't want any pizza rolls, mom. I'm going to the rumpus grumpus room. uh, You you know, the story behind his mom was like paralyzed when he was 11. Really? Uh, Oh, I knew she, I knew she died um, around the time that they put out. 10,000 days. 10,000 days because one of the songs was dedicated to her because she had just passed away. 10,000 days refers to the amount of time that had passed since uh, the mother, Judith, uh, became paralyzed. So he was only like 11 years old when that happened. Uh, And was, yeah, I think like that coupled with like the, uh, her being very religious and like, I think he, he was working through some shit in this song that was basically yeah. just like, how can you keep a positive mindset on shit when, when like, you know, how can you believe in this guy when, yeah. he, when he did this to you? Like he did it all for you. He did it all to you. Oh, so how shit. can you be so yeah. dedicated to this being that you don't even know exists when he has like punished you for no good reason? Yeah. Did exactly. I just blow your mind? A little we bit. We just blew your mind, Maggie. A little bit. <laughs> I didn't know any of this. Yeah. yeah uh, the song Jimmy also is, is uh, about that, the, the tool song from uh, mm-hmm. Anima. Another great yeah. album. This is this is a very good album. And it's uh, like you said, it's not Maynard's project per se. It's Billy's project. Mm-hmm. And there's also there's some great personnel. You get uh, Josh Fries on drums. Mm-hmm. who's like, you know, pretty, pretty well known session yep. player. Uh, Troy has- Van Nuenen. I don't remember. I don't know how to play pronounce his name but yeah Troy Van Lewin who played in failure yes and they are very good friends with the failure guys Mm. who also just said that they are pulling their music from Spotify in solidarity with Neil Young well that's nice that's fine got uh Uh, Paslin Paslin Shanton on violin and bass I fucking loved her right before she she got like fucking you know yeah before she got you know with spirited yeah, uh, away by Billy Corgan, hijack, oh, no. hijacked by Billy Corgan. Yeah. We all know how that turned out. Yeah, yeah, no, she's great. No, I, Ta- I taken away the, so that she could play bass on songs like fucking Heart Song. One of my favorite things about this band. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this song was the music video, wherein there's like a part between the chorus and the second verse. And in that short amount of time in the video, they show her taking her hands off her bass, whipping her hair into a bun, putting it, securing it with a bun, and then immediately starting to play bass again. I'm like, I fucking love this woman. Oh, she, I she, she didn't fuck her. around. She did not yeah. fuck around. She I, knew I definitely how to put had her hair whole, up. Yeah, I had a little crush on her, definitely. The time oh, yeah. Was, Ooh, yeah. Woman Crush Wednesdays. But like, this was WCW. like, this was. Oh, and eventually James Eha joined uh, mm. A Perfect Circle. He's still oh. in A Perfect Circle. Yeah. Um, Troy Van Leeuwen left to join Queens of the Stone Age, and yes. he's been there ever since. Right. Mm. Jesus. Y'all um, are good at this. Yeah, they have, they've had a bunch of people. Y'all are good at the Pepe Silvia boards of musicians <laughs> joining Six other bands. Six degrees of musicians. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, they're all from California, like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all, like, incestuous. They're all in the same bands. Of course, the dude from Failure is going to be in this band, because... Yeah. Failure and Tool are like super buds. So they were, yeah. And they go on to cover a failure song on, on the next album too. The Nurse Who Loved Me. Yeah. So good. Also, one of the a perfect circle shows I went to, um, Year of the Rabbit opened for them. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the dudes from, or the lead guy from Failure was, after Failure, he was in um, Year of the Rabbit. They also covered a Stone Roses song, which got me into Stone Roses. Wow. So, holy fuck. That's quite a journey. It's a journey. It is a fucking journey. So, yeah, like, I was already a Tool fan before Perfect Circle came out. So, of course, I was naturally going to listen to this as Maynard's new project. And I, while I was really into Tool, I responded to this so much more because it was a little bit softer and a little bit more gothy, I guess. And that started me on the journey of, like, the the dark aesthetic that I just love so much. <laughs> oh, so this inspired your gothiness. Yeah. Aww. Even though I totally went in the Hot Topic mall goth direction, which Look. was... Look, we all start it was a choice. somewhere. It was a choice. We all start somewhere. But I mean, eventually I went back to it in my adult life. And I was hot like, topic? oh, I mean, kind of. Yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah I'm not going to lie. Sometimes Hot Topic has cute shit. But like, <laughs> like, I went back to the whole like goth aesthetic. I'm like, but I, this is me. This it is me. me. And like making it more refined, a little bit more adult and, you know, sleeker. Oh yeah, yeah like, but at the it. same time, I still listen to this album regularly. This album is twenty two years old. Holy shit! And it does not age. Mm-mm. It doesn't age itself. This really is a, a an album that can you know live on and still kind of inspire kids today. Yeah. I guess in a way. Well, th- Three Libras is like probably one of my favorite songs ever. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, and me as like, you know, however old I was in 2000. 14, 15? Yeah, we were about 14. 16. I was Oh, fuck, 15. we were 16. 15 or 16. Whatever. I was like, you don't see me. <laughs> no one you understands know, me. Nobody gets me I'm, except James Keel's mayonnaise. I'm going to go to the roughest, crumpest room and eat pizza rolls. <laughs> Be real goth about it. <laughs> I'm so angry. Oh, we're all just so real sad angry. Right now. We're all just real sad. I'm right angry now. and I'm huggy. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, this is like kind of, I guess, me in a nutshell. But You're not a really. Circle. I am a perfect circle. Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> um, but also, Mer de Noms in French, in Eng- well, it is in French. In English, it means sea of names. And that is, they named it that because almost every track on the album is a person's name. Oh. And Maynard wrote the lyrics as like dedications to all of these people that wow. he names the songs after. Well, so sure. they all are about like actual people in some way. Like Judith is about his mother. All right. Rainholder is about Danny Loner. Yeah, Danny. Anoth- another musician. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> Well, damn. Poor guy. He's a loner. Poor guy. He's just all alone. In his grumpus rumpus room. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't. Nobody I don't think... likes Danny. Oh, Danny. It's cloudy out again. Oh, joy. <laughs> Fucking Eeyore over here. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, um, you know who's not Eeyore? Is I feel like Lil's his next pick. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, but kind like it's, 
It's it's Eeyore. No, but knowing it, knowing that what you know about the pick that I picked, uh, maybe a bad, maybe not so great a uh, clarification. I'm not good at classification. <laughs> okay, speaking of Eeyore, let's talk about Wilson's next pick. <laughs> yeah, this this one actually kind of ties into all the stuff you had to say about like uh, Basement Jacks, because much in the same way that I feel like Basement Jacks and Rudy probably redefined and like re sort of contextualized electronic music for you. So too did this album for me when I first cut, when I first checked it out. Cause like electronic music is pretty much my number one jam of sorts for a long time. I just sort of like was telling myself, no, I only listen to real music. And then I came back around like, ah, who am I fooling? I'm a, I'm a fucking like, I'm a fucking electro girl. Real music. If that's a word. Mom. And like for ACDC. <laughs> Bob. Mom. Ted Give me Nugent. my bagel bites and leave me alone. Oh, we've upgraded to bagel bites? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Any mom worth their salt isn't just going to bring down one snack. Right? Every single I frozen I snack. No, Bob, I don't want the Cogurt. <laughs> Bring the Rice Krispie Squares again. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I love Rice Krispies. And I actually make them, don't just buy them from the, the gas station and unwrap them and put them on a plate. <laughs> no way. Homemade is way better. Yeah. The pre-made ones are for posers. Especially if they're Cocoa Puffs. I, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that's, that's so why Wills, this. So sorry. that's why this record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like up to this point, when I knew so much less about electronic music and its whole history and stuff, and like all the important sort of you know timeline beats, I understood electronic music to basically be like it's you know it's either music specifically for dancing, like house music or trance or something like that. Or sometimes it can get really loud, like, you know, the like big beat or industrial music, that sort of stuff. The, the electronic music with guitars, as it were. Or it's <laughs> new age music, like like Tangerine Dream kind of stuff. Like that was my complete sort of understanding of like, you know, electronic music up to that point. Wait, then I heard... At, <laughs> oh, Pat. Oh, Pat. <laughs> Patty boy. I have much to learn. (laughs) (laughs) That, I mean, I wouldn't say that it changed immediately, but it sort of facilitated, you know, a change and just sort of shook my whole notions over time of what, you know, electronic music truly was. Um, I'm talking about like, I can't, I can't really form sentences today. Can I? (laughs) This is a very awkward sentence. It's uh, my other pick was uh, the third studio album from Swedish electronic music duo The Knife, their third record titled Silent Shout. Uh, the Knife, probably most famous for uh, their previous album, Deep Cuts, because it had that song Heartbeats that was like such a big sort of yeah. alt hit at the Maggie time. Maggie was like, I don't think I know The Knife. I'm like, oh, you fucking know The Knife. I it's, know The Knife. Yeah, I mean, play Heartbeats. I'm like, oh, when like the song. shark bites. <laughs> Oh, are we not singing Mac the Knife? Damn it. Bobby Darren tonight. Minnie the Moocha. 
See, uh, I didn't I didn't yeah. make that connection. I thought you were just doing some weird version <laughs> of my favorite things. <laughs> oh no, singing Mac the Knife. <laughs> I love when the shark bites with his teeth. When the shark bites, when the cheese sings. Is this a baby shark thing? No. Oh, okay. My God. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like, if that's the only bit of the knife you know, then, like, it's I would highly knife. recommend you check out Silent Shout because it takes everything in a very dark and very, like, unsettling direction with, like, some of the artistic choices being made. Like, this... Like this album, when I first heard it, deeply unnerved me. And it took me a while for it to really like, you know, come around and be like, hey, I think I love this album. (laughs) And I think really that's kind of what really good albums, you know, can do. Mm -hmm. Like they like even if they just like repulse you immediately, not to say I was repulsed, but like, you know, enough like with enough listens, you just sort of come around like, wow, there are so many layers to this that I never could have guessed. Yeah, sometimes some of the best things you hear are things on the first listen. You're like, I think I hate this. And then you're like, but I really want to hear it again. And then yeah. you keep listening and then you it kind of becomes a part of you and you're like, oh, nope, I think I'm in love with this album. Mm. Yeah, and like knowing the direction that like the lead singer, uh, Karen Dreiser took after like, you know, the knife basically ended all this, you know, significantly more and more just disturbing electronic music with much, much more intense, like, queer empowerment themes. Like, going back and listening to this now, you can see, like, they're like they're, they're still kind of there in, like, much more subtle ways. And in a way, I feel like it kind of like, you know, oh, maybe this planted a seed in my brain. <laughs> I don't really I, know. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm rambling now. No, you're I don't, not at all. I don't really know the knife all too well, but I do. I have listened to Fever Ray a lot, which is her other project, right? Um, and I, I don't. Yeah, Fe- Fever I Ray will, friggin' rules. I will admit that the reason I know about it is because if I had a heart, is the theme song to Vikings. Oh. But I really fucking loved it, so if I went and I listened to her albums, and I'm like, this is deep. This is disturbing, and I fucking love it. Yeah, it's it's very unsettling, and her oh, vocals yeah, are that very song unsettling, I and I love it. Mm. That's the kind of shit I can get into. <laughs> That's a spooky tune. <laughs> so spooky, and I fucking love it. This yeah, is a great I, bridge. I think, it, I, I think it also kind of facilitated because I think around this time I was starting to get right back into like loving industrial music, which mm. you know that. That that phase didn't last at all, of course. Not at all. No. Never. Fuck industrial. Said the goth industrial DJ. <laughs> and I think finally face. listening, final like finally checking this one out after checking out so much like, you know, blustering industrial metal and, you know, really douchey future pop like icon of coil and that sort of shit. And to hear this sort of thing that's like really subtle and you know, understated, but also in like how it's so friggin' dark and just I keep I keep saying unsettling, but I feel like that's like the best word for it. Yeah. Shall we listen Ghibli's. to it gives you the Ghibli's. Shall we listen to a smidge? Yeah, let's introduce the song I picked yeah. for it, which yeah. is also like much like I picked my favorite song on Fear of Music. This is my favorite song on Silent Shout, the uh second single, I think. Uh, titled Marble House. 
fucking chills right when it hits that chorus i feel like thick ethereal ambient sorry i interrupted oh no No. you're fine (laughs) you didn't interrupt at all um i feel like a lot of uh, like that unsettling feeling that we get is because they use kind of off notes in a way if that makes any sense yeah not just off notes like dissonant like like arrhythmic sort and like dissonance but like it's yeah, almost there's, discordant there's, or something. Yeah, on the whole, there's just some really, really interesting production choices. Yeah. And she does not have the typical, like, pretty feminine voice at all. And I yeah, like that. Yeah, not really. I Ooh, don't whoa. know if I sound if, off if base. Any... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, like, the fact that her voice is not, is, like, <clears throat> so atypical of, like you know, just a sort of pretty songstress voice. I feel like that gives a lot of the songs a lot more weight. Absolutely. Then if it was like, you know, a pretty voice like Alison Goldfrapp or something mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. No, I agree. No, no shade on Goldfrapp. No I fucking shade love on Goldfrapp. Goldfrapp. I actually really like Goldfrapp a lot. Yeah, same. Um, but when did that I, come out? What? 2012, uh, I think. This one actually came out in 2006. Shut oh, up. Shit. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, that sounds pretty like, yeah, about like 10 like, years ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Considering everything that came after it for electronic music, this was an album that was like very far ahead of its time in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. And I really appreciate that she is just like, this is my voice. I'm going to use it and make it as ethereal and kind of spooky and kind of off, but in a great way. Um, yeah. And I also appreciate that, like, <laughs> Every everything I know of that has come out of Sweden is either fucking metal or Robin. <laughs> and oh, yeah. they're kind of somewhere in between. And I like that they still have kind of the spookiness that we get from Scandinavian metal. Um, but it's completely different than that. It's completely electronic mm. and mm. um still kind of spooky and gothy, but in a electronic way well her vocals very much remind me kind of uh very much of like Bjork's um I don't know yeah. if that's like a yeah a little um, bit like just in the sense of like she's very Same good tone. at yeah the tone but also like the way that she uses her voice to make sounds does that make sense like using it as an instrument yeah yeah she's not that's just singing she's yeah. making just like these <clears throat> these vocal annotations with it that are just like that helped to give you like the unsettled feeling. Her voice matches very perfectly with the music that they are making. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she's it not trying like it, to be pretty. It, it she's trying blends to, yeah. in very well with the electronic sounds yeah. that they are creating instead of just having it be vocals on top of 
electronic music, it's part of it. Yeah, yes. they're they're an integral part of the piece. Very much. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Very cool. Mm. Would Would you say that this is like, uh, not 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 even just necessarily genre wise? This was like kind of instrumental to like your identity as a as a like musician, songwriter, stuff like that too. I mean, probably over time for sure, because like I said, this was kind of a slow burner, you know, before I like really became like obsessed with it, because like I didn't check it out. I didn't realize that it existed for like several years after it came out. I think I discovered it in like near the end of college, which would have been like, I want to say maybe like 2011 or so. Mm hmm. And by that point, like they were probably just like rearing up like tw like two years later in 2013, they had put out their very last album, Shaking the Habitual. Oh. And like so like it like I discovered this late. It took me a while for it to like really connect to me. And like over time, like like over time, it finally did. And once it finally did, it just kept drawing me like further and further in because like, like one, once again, with the Talking Heads record, it's a record where like you just keep on finding all kinds of new little sort of quirks and stuff with more and more lessons, especially if you just like pay really close attention to, you know, like the vocals, which I'd say are just like the way that I'd say Karen Drazier writes is that the vocals are usually just, uh, I don't want like generics, not the word. What am I thinking of are just vague enough that they can have so many multiple meanings. Yeah. Like like in preparation for this episode, because like my partner and I fucking love Marble House, the song, mm -hmm. and we have an incredibly disturbing interpretation of what the lyrics are after so many <laughs> after so after so many listens. So like You're I was just curious. Wrong. I looked up I was just curious. I looked up on Genius, uh, like what the song interpretation of, and there was all kinds of like interpretations of like, oh, it's a, you know, it's an abusive, it's a love song of an abusive, abusive couple and all kinds of sort of stuff. And I thought, wow, this is very different than how Seuss and I interpreted this song, <laughs> because all this time we thought it was a song about a woman falling in love with a corpse, like a literal corpse. <laughs> I kind of like that. Is that the way that I like hey. that? I kind of like that there are like, that many interpretations of it though i like i mean that. if you really look uh, at the lyrics you can kind of make that connection i mean susan i did <laughs> yeah I, I heard it right there in the lyrics hey look at you you sexy bag of bones <laughs> go get some boba tea oh, my God. oh i love it go get some boba tea with your skeleton significant other yeah, oh, I cute. do that. I like boba tea. I like boba tea too. Aww. Aww. <laughs> boba tea nice. bones. <laughs> he well, just drinks it and it all falls out of his rib cage because no! he's too chubby. <laughs> he wants his bones. Tapioca balls. Oh, falling everywhere. not again. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's a living, or in my case, dying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Give me some pizza rolls. Oh, I love pizza rolls, though. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually fucking hate pizza rolls. Pizza bagel rolls bites, are disgusting. Bagel bites are way better. No, I don't like any of them. Yeah, Speaking I'll jump of, on the bagel bite train. Speaking of bagel bites, why don't we talk about Pat's next pick? 
Still Peter Gabriel like pizza uh, rolls. <laughs> Peter Gabriel rolls. <laughs> Peter Gabriel uh, loves pizza rolls. He, he did an ad for the back in uh, back in the eighties. That's no, canon. Uh, wish it's canon. It's canon now. So, like, at, at the risk of sounding incredibly pretentious, uh, which I, I don't mean to do, I'm just I don't know. I I, how, how I hate myself possibly, in a lot of other ways. How could like, you possibly sound more pretentious than I just did? <laughs> no, neither. I don't know. Pretentious. No, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm proud of myself and, and like the songs I've written and, and like I like as much as I beat myself up every time I, I release an album, I, I fucking hate it. I, I don't know. It's it's one of the few things I like about myself. So I like to talk about it anyway. So I don't know I brought up Steely Dan uh, and then like, I don't know, probably in my teen years, I, uh, you know, I wasn't immune to the, you know, the whole Seattle 90s rock thing. So I, you know, I got really into those groups and eventually uh kind of dipped back into like 80s college rock stuff like your your sonic youths and husker do and and replacements and, and things of that nature as you do as a natural progression from seattle you're, uh, rock. Hus- you're a husker yeah. do as it were as it were <laughs> zen arcades and and such and the like uh so you're yeah that repl- was like your uh replacements <laughs> your fugazis <laughs> thank you fraser the Fuguazis. <laughs> so, like to to an extent, like the those bands, uh, like are still kind of important, are pretty very important to me. Sorry, I went from pretty kind of to to very important. You know what? No, they're quite important. God damn it, quite. Uh, but this next record that I'm going to talk about, uh, I randomly decided to check out his solo albums for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Uh, I think I just had the torrent open, and I was like, "Wow, that's so random." <laughs> sorry sorry you were like you know me, what it was let me go over i to heard Pirate the Bay. song i heard the song game without frontiers on the radio like i, I was probably Ooh. in like my early 20s that's my favorite that's my favorite peter gabriel song bar none it's that's it's a, a it's a b-a-h-p bap it, it, it's bop. and Bam. i was like damn i remember this from like i remember hearing the song as a kid like on the radio too and i've always loved it there's so many fucking cool sounds and I'm going to check out the rest of this record. I'm going to see what else Peter Gabriel's got up his sleeve. Why not? I need something new. All right, Gabs, what do we got? (laughs) What do we got? Uh, So that brings us to the album in question, Peter Gabriel, self-titled, but it's his third self-titled. So sometimes it's called Three. Sometimes it's called Melt because the album cover is a uh, picture of a Polaroid that he took of his face that he went and smeared the fuck out of it. So his face is all melty. Uh Because you can do that with Polaroids. He was eating a tuna melt that day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm melting. Look at me. Powder, He's just look having at me. a stroke after eating the tuna melt. I love tuna melts. <laughs> Who doesn't? Just don't bring them in the work break room your, or your uh, co-workers will hate you. Yeah, you asshole. Get away uh, from that tuna melt, Phil Collins. <laughs> just because I'm melting... Just because I'm melting doesn't mean it's for you. <laughs> oh, you can't have everything of mine, Phil Collins. Roddy took the, the, the Genesis lead singer spot. Might as well take my tuna sandwich. You can sing and play drums. How dare you? How dare you? It's almost like no one liked my weird costumes I wore on stage. A flower? 
<laughs> yeah, my, my two favorite costumes of his were were the flower where where in Supper's Ready where he says a flower, and then uh, what is it Colony of Slippermen where where he's like wearing this it's essentially like a giant frog covered in dicks <laughs> costume. It's a choice. That was An like one of the one. things that led to him quitting Genesis was he was like, I'm sick of these costumes. I'm sick of wait, doing these costumes. Wait, it, he's sick of it? He wanted to do that. Wait, I'm so confused. Are you fucking I'm sick of these costumes that you forced on me. How You're dare like you? Rutherford. Steve, <laughs> Hackett's just, Steve Hackett's just like, what? <laughs> I, I didn't ask ideas, you to dude. wear all the dicks on stage. This, this didn't happen. Are you oh, gaslighting that was Mike's me? idea. <laughs> Like oh Rutherford, look at him. He's eight feet tall. <laughs> Gotta listen to him. Oh, fuck. I mean, he's got that face, too. Always <laughs> squishy. Look at so, that. wait, did Peter Gabriel keep up the costumes after he left Genesis? Uh, no, he was more into, like, the suits. He kind of did, like, what looked like a David Byrne suit, but, like, it was the right size. <laughs> So we wore so a suit. A suit. So we wore a, a size he suit. just wore a suit. He just wore a suit. I love it. I wonder if I could get David Byrne's suit, but you know, a little oh more my fitted gosh. to my to my physique. You know, like a suit. What, like to scale or no no, oh just God. like a regular suit. But I like the gray. Okay. I don't need to do all the arm wiggly things. You know, we could just like go to the mall and hit up I Brooks just... Brothers and uh, whatever. Okay. Have you ever heard of Joss A. Banks? <laughs> Joss A. Banks. Do you mean Joseph? No, it's Joss. Joss, Joss A. Banks. You're well, gonna all like right. the way you look. I guarantee it. <laughs> so, Pat, tell us more about this album of of uh, Peter Gabriel that you like yeah. and the song that you like yeah, and everything. So yeah, what's the song he picks? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of great tracks on here. Uh, the the first track really kind of has uh, a very jarring effect, Intruder, uh, which I almost picked that one. But uh, track two, uh, No Self-Control. I almost forgot the fucking name of it. Uh, <laughs> track two, No Self-Control. Well, that was kind of good. Uh, was kind of the, when I first listened to this album, there was the one that really kind of set in stone for me. It was like, yeah, this is going to be a fucking ride. This yeah. is great. Uh, so let's yeah, listen let's, to let's a, little... a little bit of Not One of Us. <laughs> I never heard this song until I was looking up for you, and I was like, "It's a really fucking good song." It's a great <laughs> it's fucking song. Fucking intense. It's very intense. Uh, it's very so Peter many, Gabriel in the best ways. Yeah. There's so many like big like hitters on this song, like the, like the whole album, but this song in particular as well. Like I th Phil Collins is on drums, Kate Bush is on backing vocals, oh, Robert yeah. Fripp I is on electric guitar. I knew it was Kate Bush. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. Some oh, guy yeah, named some guy on. named Larry Fast is on no self is on synthesizer. 
<laughs> oh, I was going to say, of course, Larry Fast is on no self-control. You need someone without the self-control. When you want to go fast and loose, you get Gary Fast. Larry Fast? Gary Fast? Larry Fast? Larry Gary Fast. Fast. So what's kind of interesting. Slim uh, Fast. <laughs> I'm noticing for the first time uh, when, when you're just talking about that, uh, that must the the marimba shit at the beginning must be synthesized because yeah I don't I don't see a marimba player unless oh this percussion guy is doing that yeah the, uh, I I could talk about this album for for a million years but I know we're we're on a uh, time crunch here uh, a time this crunch was, that we've uh, technically already broken oh 100 yeah at this point fuck it so in addition to the heavy hitters that uh, Wills was and I were just talking about uh, this was produced by Steve Lillywhite who. Uh, did a lot of records uh, in England around this time, uh, including uh, U2's War. Uh, and, of, and of course, our favorite drum boy, Hugh Padham. And Hugh Padham is there uh, as the kind of drum engineer, and, and he's doing the famous gated drum sound that kind of went on to inform production for the yeah. next everyone like, thinks Phil, years. Everyone thinks Phil Collins invented it, but it was pretty much Hugh Padham. Oh, shit. Yeah. Did not know that. Uh, and it was, yeah, it, it was kind of solidified with this recording. Like, I think some people cite uh, Drums and Wires, uh, the XCC album, as like being an earlier example. But I don't know. They they sound more like the big fucking Phil Collins rum drums on this album to me. Uh, and yeah, uh, this record kind of introduced me weirdly to, or kind of like set me on the path to listen to a lot of peripheral uh, musicians like uh, Talking Heads, you know, uh, mm. there, there's kind of some link there. Uh, you know, Brian Eno. Uh, King Crimson? Yeah, a little Yeah, and King Crimson. Because uh, Tony Levin's on here. Yep. Uh, XTC and uh, like a lot of those groups. And like, I mean, it, it's silly to say, but from there, it like introduced me to like, you know, from Talking Heads, I got into Fela Kuti. Fela Kuti got into like, you know, these different Ethiopian jazz groups. And I don't know, it, it, it kind of like set me on a good path. I think that took me out of my, uh, my like kind of rockist brain in a way, uh, even though like this in, in a lot of ways is, is slightly rooted in rock music. It's, it's, it's has some really crazy production happening. Uh, and it's sort of like a mix between world music and electronic music, but like they're still figuring this shit out in like circa 1980s. So there's like, there's like a lot of quirks uh, and it's still recorded analog. So there's, you know, it's not like overly digital or, or anything like that. It's, it's still got like a nice kind of like warm, saturated sound to it. So you basically did the correct thing in getting into like music of kind of other cultures, like oh. instead of, like Mick Fleetwood, who is just like, I'm going to go to Africa and then I'm going to come back to England and make a whole album that steals African traditional oh songs. Mick, Mick Fleetwood did like, one of those. Oh, oh God, he did. Bad. It's oh, really boy. bad. Because I, like, you know. I thought you were confused with Paul Simon for a second. <laughs> no, I mean, another Six example. Six one, half dozen of the other. But instead you were like, no, I'm going to do this the right way and like get interested in all of these other bands that influence the band that mm -hmm. I like. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just kind of, it, it, it helped kind of introduce me and like nerd out and uh, I like a lot of albums from this time period for some yeah. reason. 
uh, like 77 through 82. It's like, it was a good time. It good, good time. time. It's, it's good time for good music. Well, it was, uh, it was like kind of the, the post-punk era, if you will. Yeah. So I think there was oh, like, yeah. there was a certain edge happening to production around that time, like before things got like too heavily reverbed it. I really like, uh, and yeah, to, in, in a lot of ways, this album kind of has like a slight post-punk edge to it. Uh, yeah. Certainly post-progressive, but like uh, there's no symbols anywhere on the album. It's it's just like kick, snare, and whatever percussion. I always they have kind of around. I always kind of viewed Peter Gabriel as that kind of artist. Anyway, like I don't really listen to his music a lot, but I always pictured his music as being post-punk. And yeah. being experimental in a way that nobody else was really doing at the time that, you know, he was putting out solo albums. Yeah. It was yeah. a big part of what kind of made him part ways with Genesis. They were going in a more pop direction and he wanted yeah, to. Yeah, totally. He kind of wanted to do like a, you know, a, a David Bowie type thing. But like, I don't know. He he kind of lives in his own niche in a lot of ways. I think the, he wanted to just be fucking yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely transcends a lot of genres because Peter Gabriel, like, I definitely think, yeah, you're right, like, a little bit of post-punk, a little bit of new wave, a little bit progressive, like, a little bit rock. like And a lot weird. A very fucking <laughs> weird, but that makes me like him even more. Um, Just such an eclectic person and such an eclectic musician yeah. and definitely yeah. is not held by any bound of like genre and we'll do whatever the fuck he wants and kate bush being on backing vocals makes absolute sense oh, yeah. to me because i feel yeah. like she was the feminine counterpart to peter gabriel yeah if so, you uh what was it never forever was the album that came out that same year and they they share a lot of sonic ties i i yeah i love that album too uh but it's yeah it's the uh cmi fairlight which was like a very early if not one of the first uh digital synthesizers it is basically like has a like a desktop computer set up plugged into a keyboard it, wow. it's pretty primitive. early synthesizers are insane but uh there were like only a handful of people who could use them. Uh, Trevor Horn from the Buggles being one of them. Uh, Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush. It was like, yeah, they were the only ones who knew around, you know, like in that time frame. How like to even use this. looking at like early synthesizers that like, like George Harrison um, was one of the first people to put out like a solo album that was made all with a, a, a Moog synthesizer. I think I, think. I can't remember, but That's like looking right. at it, it was like, it looked like the biggest like switchboard you have ever seen in your life. I'm like, how oh, the yeah, fuck modular do you synths e are very intimidating. How do you even like attempt to try and understand how this works? Yeah, I can barely like sing and clap at the same time. So like, <laughs> this makes no fucking sense. Uh, patch bays yeah, like, are, are my biggest nemesis. There. <laughs> yeah, when when Sparks had like a big comeback at the very end of the '70s by going like electro disco. Yep. Like that that, so that album that album was such a success and they couldn't tour on its success because the instruments were just too big. But that's wow. kind of why I love Sparks. Mm. <laughs> that's kind of why I love that's it. fair. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, we we can move on. I, I, I've said enough about that. <laughs> no, enough that was... about Peter Gabriel. Yeah, enough no, about that's... Peter Gabriel gave me like a whole new appreciation for Peter Gabriel. And yeah, check out this album. It's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, the I'm first going track to. Intruder is like it sounds like Nine Inch Nails. It's, it's fucking wild. Damn. 
Well, also, too, like, so I wanted to make sure I did this next pick after your Peter Gabriel pick because there's a link. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> so I will get a little bit more personal, I suppose. Or I don't know. Whatever. Um, So it's the late 90s. So it's the late 90s. Dawson's Creek is the hottest thing on TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> not even that. Is, I actually is this like never... one of those documentaries where like, it like just 90, some late 90s music just comes on to just like set the scene? This is MTV's like if, true life. Like, like if it was a documentary on the 60s, you'd be hearing those opening bits of All Along the Watchtower. Oh! <laughs> it was the well, 1960s. Of Vietnam. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Something's <laughs> happening here. But what would that even be for the '90s? Like, I guess Paula smells Cole, like Teen Spirit. Uh, I was to say Paula Cole sang with Peter Gabriel. She uh, did. That was why oh, this I'm sorry was connected. I ruined it. <laughs> oh, okay. At a point. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. treated as a joke. <laughs> I fucked up. We you fucked all, up. I'm you sorry. You all fucked up, but no, I, I love all up. of you so much. <laughs> all right, let's awesome. let's try this again. It's the, it's the late '90s. <laughs> Dawson's Creek. Let's, let's go, go, girls. girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I did want to do music when I was younger. I thought I would do something with music. I didn't know what that was, and I was lazy. I'm still lazy. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not. Actually, I th- I, Jeremy tells me to stop saying that I'm lazy because I'm not. I do a lot. But I just didn't have the axe grinding skills. So I always loved music. I would, always loved singing. I did band as soon as I could. I took piano lessons. I took guitar lessons, fiddle lessons. I sang a wow. lot. Um, I never became proficient in anything. What I always like to tell people is that I know a lot about a little. Or no, I know a little about a lot mm-hmm. so i've always loved singing we grew up you know in the 90s where it's like you have mariah carey janet jackson all these big strong diva voices whitney houston and i would very much like mimic everyone because that's what you did when you're learning how to sing as a kid but then finally this one woman comes out and it's like more my speed and it's more like oh i can sing this I don't have to do runs constantly. I don't. I don't have to plug one ear and do this thing. She had a couple singles and I started to fall in love. And that was Paula Cole and her album This Fire. Where, yes, it has fucking the Dawson's Creek theme song. (laughs) Yes, it has Where Have All the Cowboys Gone and all the things that people are always like all about. What's wrong with the Cowboys song? Where did the Cowboys Cowboys go? Nothing is wrong with the Cowboys song. That's a great song. In fact, everything is right about the Cowboys song. It's all right, actually. Guys, where'd the dang old Cowboys go? (laughs) What happened to all the Cowboys? Bob, where's all the Cowboys? I check cowboys the with my pizza rolls. Gary <laughs> the pizza rolls. We're gonna find the cowboys. Oh my god! But yes, the dang cowboys are right over there a second ago. No, they're not. Oh what happened? Do you think you'll come back only, to the grumpus rumpus room? I only I looked away for cowboys. like two seconds. I invited cowboys, and all I got were bagel bites. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was told I mean, there'd be cowboys. Trail. I was promised cowboys. <laughs> I told you, I was told there would be cowboys and bagel bites. And all I see are and bagel bites. <laughs> Where's the cowboys? For the record, I think that is a good song, but that is by far not an example of her best fucking yeah. work. So Paula Cole. I, definitive, I think, female Lilith Fair, you know, flavor of the 90s. I very much remember everyone making a monstrous deal over the fact that she had hairy armpits. Oh, yes. yes How I dare this. she? How dare she? Feminist before we were woke. I yeah. mean, in a way, though, kind of. We, were, we like, were kind of bitchy in the late 90s. We were yeah. still real bitchy. We were, we, were real, we were little bitches. Like, Lilith Fair was legit. And everyone just really fucking made fun of it. And oh, I'm not going to absolve myself of anything here. I probably made fun of it. Oh, too. no, I wanted to go so bad. I want to see Sarah McLaughlin, Paul Cole, Tori I Amos. I was really into Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, my, oh my God. Anyway, yeah, this, this flavor was my flavor. Mm-hmm. And Paula Cole got her start thanks to one Mr. Peter Gabriel. Hmm. So yep. she actually started to do... Um, vocals for him on tour he was on his um secret world tour from uh 93 to 94 she was performing with him and i believe no so then either around that time or right before then she had her first album which i don't i never listened to it no one's ever listened to it it was a flop Mm. so she ends up um getting um she gets out of that contract, I think it was, and then she just writes and produces her own next album, which is This Fire. I'm big on the sophomore albums, apparently. Oh, imagine that. No she did it her own way, and it became a fucking hit. Weird. Hmm. So yeah, she puts out This Fire. Big fucking hit. And of course, everybody knows, I don't want to wait, and where have all the cowboys gone? Where did they and go? I said it. Where did the cowboys <laughs> go? I don't want to wait. I want the cowboys now. <laughs> I have a settlement, Never mind. and I, I want, want the cowboys, cowboys now. But you have to get out of their, her singles. Because outside of her singles, the rest of that fucking album is so amazing. Would you say it's fire? I would say I'm it's... I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite song on this album is called Nietzsche's Eyes. We're going to listen to a little bit right now. Okay. Grandmother, mother, now I see it in myself. I take on the water until the dam threatens to break. I became a little dull. My voice became too small. Nietzsche's eyes, Nietzsche's card, failed and flung to us. And oh, my love, I'm shaking, I'm shaking.
getting real serious in comparison to my last mm. pick. I'm real serious bad. about it. Big fucking Tori Amos vibes here. Yeah, yeah I was just gonna it, say, yeah. I will say I discovered Tori Amos very soon after this. That's why oh. Paula Cole is a touch above Tori Amos for me in mm. that aspect. Because then I did discover Tori Amos and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> That was so pretty. That was that was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah she was. has a beautiful voice. She does have a beautiful uh, voice. So, I love a good schmaltzy ballad. Yeah, and, and oh, like, and this so this album powerful. is full yeah. of them. <laughs> and I mean, for people who are listeners of our podcast, they would know. I talked about another song in this album by Paula Cole called "Me," which actually was her third single off this album that nobody really knows about. Um, which is also a beautiful schmaltzy ballad. Mm. Uh, but this one. This is a really important song to me. It's my favorite song off the album. It's fucking gorgeous. It is, again, like Paula Cole hearing this, hearing her voice made me realize I don't have to like try to be this, you know, high pitchy bubblegum pop singer when I want to sing. Like I can sing like my own voice and it's fine. Um Cause back then, you know, when you're in chorus and you're trying out for solos, like you see all the other little girls who have like these amazing little voice, and you're like, I don't sing like that. Fuck. <laughs> Nobody in my school could sing. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, to everybody in mine. I just but also, and they're like, "You're a boy. You're in. We need some more dicks in this chorus." But also, I was terrified of singing like in front of people. I like to sing. And they're like, you have a beautiful voice, sing, get, project, and then project, Ash. My music teachers would inevitably, inevitably get very mad at me, and I'd be like, well, I'm sorry. I, I picked this because I don't want to play sports. What do you want from me? <laughs> this are sports. But um, this song was the first song I ever sang as a solo piece when I was in college. Wow. Yeah, uh, we did recitals, and I did this for my first solo piece because I was like, this is my fucking song. Also, this song is on my divorce playlist. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, no. Oh, boy. That is... Because this is a song about discovering that a relationship is not fucking right for you. Yeah. I This song has so many fucking layers. And I just want to talk about it because it gives such a good example of what Paula Cole's music styles and lyrics are like. You know, she uses philosopher Frederick Nietzsche to push it to home where she says, you are not my Superman. And in Nietzsche's time, you know, he created that concept of the Ubermensch or the Superman. Now, it's not cute. It's not good. She's not using it in a positive no. sense, but it's no. like, you know, this man is supposed to be the perfect being and she's using it in the sarcastic sense of like, yeah, you're not him. So like, I love it because it's just like, she talks about like, you know, there's one verse where she says, grandmother, mother, and now I see it in myself. It's like, this is a habit with the women in my family. Like we all just get, or in women in general, like you tend to get in the relationships you think you deserve. You're like stuck in this fucking habit and you're like, no, I want to break this habit and I'm walking away and from also, it. And also back then it was, you know, this came out in the late 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we still had the whole bullshit trope of you need to find a good man, get married, have kids, be mm-hmm, a good mm-hmm. wife, be a good mom. And 
it's all bullshit. Yeah. Like, do whatever you fucking want to do. And we know that now, but for the most part, we know that now. Um, More so than we used to. It, yeah. But still, back then, we still had these bullshit stereotypes that we had to live up to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was, again, it was, def- this is the- it was definitely a much bigger revelation, like, in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, again. Then, like, now it's considered much more commonplace. Yeah. yeah. You say that now, and people are like, well, duh. But even the concept of Lilith Fair as a... a a general idea that like this is a concert festival that people would actually want to go to was like mind boggling to higher ups in the music industry. But so. also why isn't there a Lilith Fair now? There if we're so be. woke, why don't we have more strong... Sarah McLaughlin. Why where is where does the Sarah McLaughlin? Do we go? have to put the fucking spotlight in the sky to call her to us in our time of need? Is it just gonna be a sad puppy in the sky? <laughs> Is that how we call Sarah McLaughlin? <laughs> but I do want to point out too on this album a song that maybe Pat might want to check out. It's a song called Hush 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 because it's with Peter Gabriel. Oh yeah. It is yes. a beautiful song. And when I was a kid, I didn't get it. It's like La Bamba. When you're a kid, you don't get it. <laughs> no, it's a song that I like never understood until maybe like a couple years ago that it's about this young man who's dying of AIDS and has always been afraid to come out to his father. And finally, like, he's dying and he's coming out to his dad. And his dad's like, it's okay. Like, I love you. And Peter Gabriel, Gabriel, <laughs> Peter Gabriel kind of plays the dad angle of it. And it's, it's such a fucking, I oh, can God, totally such, see that. It's he's, such he's a fucking great, like, song. grandfatherly voice to him. He too. does. <laughs> That was I, that, one of my favorite things about him. It's like a warm sweater. <laughs> he is <laughs> Peter day. Gabriel, America's warm sweater. A, a <laughs> delightful wine cardigan. Yeah. America's warm America's warm sweater, this British man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we can't have an American man be our no. warm sweater. It has to be a Britishman. Yeah. Even's dead, so we can't yeah. use him anymore. But yeah, I this album was just so formative to me as like a 13, 12, 13 year old girl. I don't remember how old I was. And it just taught me a lot about feminism and, you know, being myself and yeah, fucking. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Sorry. Dawson's Creek. Yeah. I never saw an episode of Dawson's Creek. But I am still curious. You never did find those gash dang cowboys. I was going to say, I'm still (laughs) curious about the location of these cowboys. If you have any information, please call Unsolved Mysteries. Where have they gone? That's the question. Where are those cowboys at? Anyway. We're in Dallas. Dallas Cowboys. All right, let's go. All right, road trip. Pack of the bat. The sling of the puck. Football. America's, America's favorite sweater, football. The whoosh of the highlight. <laughs> let's uh, let's have Ashley bring it home. <laughs> oh, last one. Last the one. Pressure. The pressure. So the and first one I talked about, like formative stuff in my my high school era. Mm-hmm. So the my first pick was like my formative years in high school and how I was a. Uh, Grumpus rumpus in hot topic pants. And so this one so, is formative to my toddler years. Banana phone by here's banana phone by Raffi. 
Hey, I never Sorry. listened to Raffi. <laughs> I think we're too old for Raffi. I think we are. I was too old for Barney. So, yeah. nah. But anyway, this is formative to my college years where I was a dirty indie fan. And I was all about that Saddle Creek bullshit. So... An unwashed indie. uh, You unwashed indie garbage. You Midwestern pile of shit. People people would look at me on the street and go like, you smell like Merge Records. (laughs) (laughs) You smell like you like Connor Oberst. Get out of here with your magnetic fields and your your... arcade fires. (laughs) Is that Guster? (laughs) You taste like Guster. Guster. They're indie, aren't they? No. Oh, they're garbage. <laughs> but anyway, this is not garbage. No. This is... So I picked um, The Execution of All Things by Rilo Kiley because Rilo Kiley was my goddamn jam in college. And this is not just my favorite track off of this album. This is probably my favorite Rilo Kiley song, period. And this is Paints Peeling. I think I think it holds like kind of similar melancholy that Perfect mm. Circle does. It does. And that's like a running theme throughout my entire life. Are you sad? I don't know. <laughs> um, but the music I listen to is sad. I said I just want slow chorus pedaled guitars for some reason. <laughs> you like the cure too? I mean, I like the cure, but like I'm not super into them. They're they're we're, just we're not fine talking to about me. the cure. Yeah, we're not <laughs> talking about the cure. We're talking about Rilo Kylie. <laughs> oh. so, <laughs> so I believe Rilo Kylie started in like the mid nineties ish. Um a lot of people know the lead singer Jenny Lewis because of her current solo albums, mm-hmm. her solo status. She's really big in the country world somehow. I don't really know how really that happened. Country. Is she a child actor too? She was a child actor. So Rilo Kylie is actually headed up by two child actors. Uh, Jenny Lewis, obviously a child actor. She was in, there was a big fucking movie that I never saw that she was in. It's not The Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> it's you not mean The, the Wiz. Wizard? The you wizard. Mean the wizard? Yes, she was in that one. And, and Nicky um, Rooney. <laughs> And the other main person in this um, band is uh, Blake Sennett, who was Pinsky in Salute Your Shorts and Joey the Rat in Boy Meets World. 
Wow. Oh, oh yeah, that guy. That See, I know guy. Joey the Rat more than I know Pinsky. Yeah, everybody knows Joey the Rat. Pinsky was the one who replaced Budnick after he left, mm, after like I, season I, two I or three or something. I don't know either of those, I'll be honest. I don't I remember Salute Your Shorts. I don't think I stuck around for the Pinsky years. I don't think, I think anybody I think did. I, <laughs> no, Budnick, it was, it was Budnick or Bust. Yeah, exactly. Budnick no, Budnick, bust. I don't want it. Um, But somehow, like, they started dating and then they started the band then they broke up but they continued the band and the execution of all things was their second album i cannot remember what year it came out please do not ask me but (laughs) this was like my introduction to indie music when i was in college and i got really really into that really into bright eyes and desperacitos and um Death Cab for Cutie and like all that fucking Saddle Creek bullshit and all of its peripheries. The Despacitos. Love this. Despacitos. (laughs) Very different, but close. Yeah. Very close. Very close. But then like that led me into like Rainer Maria. Rainer Maria had a a huge impact on my life during my college years. And another band that I still go back to very often to just like chill out and just feel feelings mm. that's what rilo kiley is to I, me i mean because funny enough you also had a rilo kiley song on our better get get through this playlist yeah which is actually on this album called a better son slash daughter mm. which is one of those Oof. songs that really i the felt lyrics, attacked the, the lyrics attack you but also make you feel like you're not alone mm. and it's also a song that you can scream along to and feel so much better and along with that song is another song that kind of closes out the album called With Arms Outstretched. Which, which is, is different from With Arms Wide Open. <laughs> completely fucking different. There is no creed on this album. Good. Thank you. Um, but With Arms Outstretched is another like communal like, Scott like take it tired. in and just fucking <laughs> let it out kind of songs. So that was very cathartic for me in college. I feel like everybody else, most everybody else who went away to college and like lived there and had friends there and everything had a very different experience than I did. So many people still talk to their college friends and still have a big connection to college. I have no fucking connection to college anymore whatsoever. I think I'm Facebook friends with two people I knew in college and I never talk to them unless it's about like guinea pigs. Oh, <laughs> like, that's such a good conversation. Like, you're, I, you're looking forward. You're looking to the future. You're yeah, not looking to like, rekindle I, the past. But I know? still do have very musical connections to college in that point in my life that bring me back there and yeah. do bring me joy. I don't have any bad feelings or anything about college. I just don't talk to anybody. So Rilo Kylie, Rainer Maria, Rufus Wainwright, um, Bright Eyes, um, all of these bands like bring me back there, but in a good way. Mm. And it also made me really appreciate a good pop song. Because even though like, Rilo Kylie and and the indie scene in the early 2000s wasn't particularly pop. They still had very pop sounding and pop structured songs and they are specifically <laughs> they or 
I don't know if this was their intention, but for me, it made me feel better about everything. And I mm. feel like that's what a good pop song is supposed to do. Yeah. Even if it, they were. It wasn't. T- no, Sorry. go ahead. I, I was just saying, like, the, those types of groups didn't, like, subscribe to the same rock pathos that, right. like, classic rock bands or even grunge did for the most part. It was definitely. And I think in that way, it helped widen, like, indie rock to, to a wider audience because yeah. it was kind of more appealing and. Uh, maybe maybe in, in some ways a little deeper because, you know, they weren't just relying on, like the like I said, the sort of like rock and roll cliches or. You yeah. Know, and they were also like she's not screaming or anything like, but right. she's still there's still emotion going mm. on. And they were talking about like mental health issues very blatantly when other yeah. pop songs were not doing that. And I think that was very helpful to people like me who were just like. <laughs> I like this a lot and I know it has a deep, deeper meaning to it that I can relate to, but I don't necessarily want to talk about it, you know? <laughs> that Capricorn so, energy. All up real. in this shit. Yeah, I've never been super familiar with Rilo Kylie, um, but just based on like the track that we heard, they definitely, and by extension, Jenny Lewis, feel like one of those artists that definitely like, you know, walked so like a ton of other artists could run. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the likes of like Courtney Barnett and Phoebe Bridgers. Yep. Oh, yeah. Very you would much. not have Billy Eyelash if you didn't have Rilo Kylie. No yeah. Ferbert Bridgets and no <laughs> Ferbert. <laughs> Ferbert Bridgets. No crime. I'm sorry? Ferger Bridgers. <laughs> and I, I feel like you I know do. that You know that indie pop songstress, Ferbert Bridgers. <laughs> And I feel like I do have to bring up the fact that, like, as soon as Rilo Kylie actually got a major label uh, deal and put out one major label album, they immediately broke up. (laughs) And that album is their worst album that they have ever put out. They're like, oh, it turns out this is bullshit. Yeah. So um, it's probably better that they just broke up and were just like, we're done. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also like too many to, cooks. Too many cooks. Yeah. Too many cooks. And for a long time, Rilo Kylie was the one band that I saw the most live, mm. until I saw Taking Back Sunday twenty two times. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many times. <laughs> <laughs> but I I saw them like seven times in within a couple years, uh, three times within the same week. And Jesus. Jenny Lewis remembered me wow. and hugged me and told me I smelled good. And that is one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> I hold on to that. Oh, very that's dearly. so nice. That's so nice. Yeah. It's better than having a celebrity tell you you smell bad. Yeah. <laughs> or tell like, you, like I met Billy Joe Armstrong and he was like, whoo, you stink. I feel like Billy Joe <laughs> Armstrong, Armstrong, Armstrong would he do probably Armstrong. stinks. He probably does. I think you just feel really like you're cl- smelling yourself, you piece of shit. Billy Joe Armstrong. (laughs) Gets really close, like, I can smell the mountain goats on you and you sicken me. (laughs) I never listened to the mountain goats. Come on. I kind of like the mountain goats. Anyway. No, no, I I just wasn't that cool. Then why do you smell like archers of loaf? (laughs) So now you know about high school Ashley and college Ashley. Two different Ashleys that are now the same Ashley in one body. Two Ashleys. Same price of one. Same great taste. Two Ashleys that have merged. They have become one. I am Voltron. Yes. (laughs) Well, if I can say in my final thoughts, because I've got my final thoughts. Oh, okay. Your albums 100% 
makes so much sense to me and 100% explain who you are as a person. Yours too. Right back at you, babe. Oh, thanks. Oh. I was going to say, because like yours are very like, yo, life fucking sucks and moody. it's trash and I'm moody. moody as fuck. But like, as long as you keep your fucking mouth shut, come over here. We'll commiserate together. Yeah. We'll be we'll be we'll hang out together. in the grumpus rumpus room. You own the grumpus Eat some rumpus bagel room. bites and some rice crispy treats and uh, hang out. Yeah, no, these two albums together one hundred percent make sense. And as for we'll see if we can finally find those dang old cowboys. <laughs> they're not in the grumpus rumpus room. I checked three. Oh, they're right times. here. I, they're right here, guys. I found them. Oh, 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 oh. Pat found the cowboys. Cool. No, Pat, don't okay. shout at them. That'll scare them. <laughs> oh, You'll now they're running them. away. Then you're gonna have a fight. You, start, you startled the cowboys, Pat. Now we're back to square uh, one. Very God easily startled. But I also want to say too, as far as our good friends Pat and Lils go, when you gave me your songs, I listened through them, and like I'm, I hope I don't sound like a weird fan. I hope I don't sound weird in general. You're a creep. I hope it doesn't sound <laughs> like a creep. Like I have listened to your music, 100. Like Pat, your album 20, I really loved it. Lil's all your fatigue oh, stuff, you. fucking jams. Aww. And it's when I listened to the picks that you gave me, I was like, yup. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like 100%. Like, you know, Pat, I didn't know how like proggy and jazzy you were until I heard 20. And then I listened to like Asia and uh, no self control. <laughs> she like, did it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Nope. 100% see it. And like, Lil's like your goth industrial just fucking like slam jam but subtleties it's like that all comes through with like the weirdness of talking heads the experimentation but also then like the dark subtleties of the knife like this all makes sense to me when i hear it i'm like yep this is them so like 100 yeah. very nice to hear Aww. thank you I yeah, can hear that's, your influence. That's really nice. It comes through in your music and also your personalities yeah. in the best of ways <laughs> Y'all are doing my good picks say there. you need to go outside, Pat. You need to go outside. <laughs> for hours, dude. You need to go take your dog out and like say hi. You haven't talked to your wife in like days. Okay, she's worried about you. Look, the production on this is great, Air but drama. maybe talk to a human. You're hanging out with weird hookers and Robert Fripp, and just stop. Can get out of the basement. Cook- no, I'm not having an interesting life like Steely dancing. No, I'm, I'm just yelling at the snare drum. Stop sounding like You need to go outside, Pat. Can we get cookout while I'm out? Yes, you can get cookout. <laughs> so much good cookout Just right go here. out. Just get the fuck out of your Talk house. to a person. <laughs> well, thank your, you. Your ears hurt? <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for coming on and exposing your souls to us and the whole world. Oh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> oh, yeah, this was this was fantastic. And I'm so glad we finally got to be back on before like it was all over. Hell yeah. For total end times. I know. T.E. Total end times. For the next next time, total end times. For the pact. Yeah. But we, we Before we, the tontine. We are yes. always available to uh, make fun of some shit on- yeah. Other people's podcasts, so oh hell bring yeah, bring us back, bring us back, <laughs> bring us back on. Hint, hint, I'm not sure. opposed to doing like a one-off thing too, like a, a separate show too. Oh, like just like, just like a one, just like a one episode special, one episode or, or, just s- or several into our feed. <laughs> like a mini series, Christmas yeah. special, yeah, <laughs> Christmas, a little uh, you know five episode arc, <laughs> crass. 
<laughs> Crescent. <laughs> Why don't you all tell the listeners where they can find Jukebox Zeros? And anything else you do. Oh, yeah. And everything else you do. Uh, Jukebox Zeros is our primary podcast where we review and rethink albums that are considered the worst of all time. That can be found pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found. Um, Pat does another podcast called Old Men Yell at Cloud, which is that's really good. I do one with uh, our mutual friend Scott. Hell is a musical. That's sometimes good. <laughs> it's always good. always good. And like no, I like that one a lot. And like you mentioned, we got our respective uh, musical projects and stuff. Like I actually, I actually have a new fatigue single that's going to come out next uh, next March. Might as well say that here. Fuck yeah! Yeah, it, it was too late to get it for this month's Bandcamp Friday, so I'm just shooting for the next one. Hell yeah! Get on that sweet Bandcamp Friday. Sounds good, Pat. What What Pat, about you, Pat? Plug? So I'm not just talking for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. Uh, all the podcasts and stuff uh maggie brought up my album 20 uh which is under my name patrick s barry it's on like all the things but uh, most importantly Bandcamp because that's where i make the most money so <laughs> buy it on there and then listen to it on streaming and and never you know play the mp3s again <laughs> uh do whatever you want with them uh but i'm also going to be uh releasing re-releasing some like older material uh under that name as well uh and I don't know, sometime this month. Uh not no like official release date on that. Uh and also check out uh my other project, Smell, which is kind of like more of an experimental, weird studio project. Uh just put on an album called Toe. It stinks, but uh it's also same spots on, on Bandcamp and 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 the rest. Uh the other asshole platforms. Uh, <laughs> I will say Spotify is an asshole platform, but I appreciate that your music's on there so I can put it in my Spotify playlists. So that's helpful because I'm that asshole who listens to Spotify. Uh, DistroKid's pretty good about that. It's a a quality service for that, at least. Yeah. Hey, who wants to hear about my 2021 wrapped? I'm just kidding. That's the end of this episode. So thank you all so much for listening. And we love you and appreciate you. And next week's our last episode. Yeah, send us questions. Yeah, you got questions. We got answers. Next week, all we're doing, we're answering questions. And we're talking bullshit. We're going to get crazy cronk. And we're going to just like talk about feelings. We're going to talk shit about everybody. This is it. We're talking shit about everybody. Oh, yeah. So send your fucking questions to contact us at rockcandypodcast.com. That is correct. You can also reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We got those things. Yeah. Go look for them. Definitely taking advantage of this. Yeah. No, honestly, (laughs) ask us anything. Anything. We've gotten some some really fun questions so far, actually. Yeah. Like people Um, have asked us. Are they anonymous or questions? Or wait, no, I'm sending you an email. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I have a question. Okay. Where are those ding dang cowboys at? You know uh, what? You're gonna find out about that next week on our last episode. Yeah, you will find out where the cowboys are. The conclusion of where have all the cowboys gone? <laughs> Hint: They might be up somebody's butt, but who's? <laughs> have you checked your butthole? Have you? Get and up, butt up, butthole. The answer may pleasantly surprise you. <laughs> oh, that is up my butthole. This answer makes doctors angry. (laughs) Click here. Doctors don't want you to know where they are. Oh my God, is this a 
BuzzFeed article now? Might be. All right, we're going home. Clickbait. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you kids next week. Until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. Party Party on on Pat and Lils. Clink. Yeah. Clink. Why not? (laughs) Another one. Okay. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) There we did it. And party on you crazy (laughs) kids out there. You just drop your (laughs) bop. (laughs) 